listening to episode 10 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Hasecker, your host of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. I'm really excited about this episode because it's episode 10. Yes, 10. We actually made it to episode 10. It only took a year and a half to do it, but uh, we made it. And I'm really excited about 2020 because I got a lot of great content in store for, for 2020. Got a, more interviews lined up, got lots of cool content. Uh, my list is ever growing of, of, of segments that I want to do. So uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for uh, hanging with me and uh, listening. And let's go ahead and get started on this episode. Segment one. Surprise! It's pop quiz time. How well will you do? Okay, since this is the 10th episode of the podcast, Mm. I thought this would be a good time to uh, have a little fun here. And uh, do a quiz. Oh, <laughs> so I'm here with my wife, and I'm going to test my wife on the podcast oh, to see how well she does. <laughs> it's 10 questions for the 10 episodes of the podcast. So okay. are you ready to take this test? I hope so. All right. So here we go. The mm. first question, how many episodes of the podcast have there been? Nine. <laughs> hey, are you serious? You got it right. That was a trick question, and you got it right. Because technically, there's only been nine. This is the right, tenth right. that we're recording Doing right now, now. So we okay. haven't actually done the. It, well, it, 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 I, I would have accepted ten if you said ten, but it's really <laughs> ten or nine. Would be, either would be acceptable. Okay. 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 So on the first episode, what was the name of my childhood friend that got me into playing music? Oh, it was eight. And played the piano. No, it wasn't that one. It was the other one's name. Why can I see him? Uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Carl? Stan. No, it's Stan. <laughs> it's Stan. Sorry. My childhood friend Stan who got me into Stan. playing piano. So I've already failed. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, you got the first one. Okay. So you're at 50% right now. Mm. Okay. All right, so on the first episode, what is the college I indicated I went to? Oh, Berkeley College of the Music. Very, exactly. Hello. That one I know. Okay. And you actually, didn't you like say you almost applied for Berkeley? I did. Oh you, oh, you actually applied? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. But I didn't go there for the full audition oh. because I got accepted at the other school of my choice. Oh, okay. I thought that you were considering it, but I didn't, actually, I didn't realize you actually... Oh. Put in an application mm-hmm. for it. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So I learned something about it. There you go. Today. How about something that? you learned new. Okay, so question number four. So actually, that's that's two out of three you got. That ain't bad. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, dear. Okay. Does our cat, Gray Boy, make an appearance on any of the podcasts? Yes, he does. You're correct. He does on at least one interview. Um I was listening back to uh, quite a loud interaction. One of the podcasts, you can hear him in the background meowing. Yes, so yes, you got that. So that's three out of four. Okay. On the third episode, what important topic do I discuss with my guest? Pedals. Nope. Give me one more try. Third episode. What important topic do I discuss with my guest? 
Oh, age. Getting like aged out of worship teams. That's correct. Yes. Okay. All right. So four out of five. That's right. Okay. And on number six, on most episodes, do I tend to over explain things? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. That's pretty normal. (laughs) Yes. So, because I tend to over explain things. Yes, because people, some people like that. Yeah, I got to explain. So, you know, so I explain. (laughs) So you see, okay. All right. So on number seven, on the seventh episode featuring an interview with Cody Fields of Westminster Effects, Uh what is the name of at least one of the bass-related pedals we discussed? Oh, man. (laughs) I can see the pictures, and I see your pedal train every week. Yeah. So I should know know. that it's a theologian's name, Mm -hmm. and he's... Is it Martin Luther? No, Luther. There's a Luther one, right? That's your final answer. There is, but I don't know what it's... The re, It's the Reformation one, right? Isn't that uh-huh. one of the bass pedals? Yeah. You're getting there. You're getting close. Um, What's it called? I'm sorry. I can see it, but I'm totally off. No, no, you no, can't... No, I'm okay. totally off. Calvin Compressor. Calvin Compressor. Or the Wittenberg Bass Preamp. Oh, okay, I knew it was an you old theologian. Those. You knew those. I knew those. You just couldn't think of them. No, I couldn't. Because it, was... it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. I love yeah. you, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's two two out of seven? I, I Did I get it wrong? Okay. Yeah, or something like that. Or five out of seven, you got right. Okay. <laughs> that's the positive spin. Yeah, thank glass you for being positive. Glass half full. There we go. Aww. All right, glass... You're over-explaining. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm like over-explaining. Okay, got it. All right, moving on. Number eight question. Mm. On the fourth episode, what base technology did I discuss as an option to use live on the platform instead of a pedal board or an addition to? It was some program on your computer. Yes. Uh-huh. That's halfway there. Um, what specifically? Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but I know it's on your computer. Uh, yes. So I'll give you half credit. <laughs> <laughs> it's computer plugins or modeling software. I would have taken either oh, of those. Plugins. I would have taken either of those answers. Jeez. Okay. I'll be ready at the 20th episode. You're good. Yes. I'll be ready. Okay. Okay. And on episode, this is number nine. On mm-hmm. episode five, I had a segment on protecting your hearing on the platform. Mm-hmm. True or false? In this segment, this is not true or false that I had. Here's the true or false. True or false? In this segment, I discussed how I used shooting earmuffs to help lower my in-ear monitoring level and improve bass response. True or false? True. True. You are correct because you actually had to to bring mine to church today because I I forgot it and I was. Someone asked me why you wore those, Uh and I was struggling to explain why. I just and and I just took the high road and went. It's because he wants to protect his hearing. Uh-uh. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And number 10, on the ninth episode, on the ninth episode, which is our Christmas episode, what musical style did I demonstrate as an option to add to long altar call jams? <laughs> Reggae. Yes. <laughs> you got it. That is correct. So you have got a passing grade. That's Woo! what. 
seven and a half seven, out of ten. Yeah, seven and a half out of ten. So that's a seventy-five. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. But I grade on a curve for you, so you, you got a hundred. <laughs> so congratulations, you have passed the test. Thank you. You know the podcast. Fabulous. So how about you? Do you know the podcast? That was they like should, a dumb segue. That was like they my, should that was probably like, catch that, up on past episodes. There you go. That especially was especially one about the pedals. Yeah, that's a good one. Or any of them, really. So yeah. that, that was my my really lame. So how about you? <laughs> Do you <laughs> have you been listening to the podcast? <laughs> Do you know the answers to these questions? Find they out probably. next episode. <laughs> So that was kind of corny of me to do that. They but probably know. Yeah. So anyway, so that was our, our questionnaire. Good job. Thanks, babe. On passing. Segment two. Not exactly a Daniel fast. Every year in January, our church will do the Daniel fast. And if you're not familiar with the Daniel fast, that's the uh, 21 day fast. A lot of churches do that. It's based on the uh, story in Daniel about the 21 day fast that he does. Um, anyway, so it's uh, in it's also being that's based on that. It's the food that you eat is based on what, you know, well, basically, the the interpretation, I guess you can say, of scripture of what Daniel says that, uh, you know, he's fasting where everybody can interpret that in different ways. And so our church actually didn't do the Daniel fast this year because of the very fact that it became more about beating the, the Daniel fast rather than actually fasting. So it's like, well, in my opinion um, of the Daniel fast, I can't eat this. Or my opinion of the Daniel fast, I can't eat that. And so everybody was just, you know, it was all about, well, what can I eat and still be considered the Daniel fast? And so our church said, hey, well, we're not going to not going to do that this year because instead we're just going to have 21 days of fasting and prayer. And that way it can be more focused on 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 an actual relationship with Christ instead of what you're actually fasting. So whatever you want to fast, then it's just like, you know, the church wasn't saying what you should fast. It's just you decide that with God and you fast that and you just focus on on your relationship with God through that fasting, which I think is a good thing. And also for me, um, the Daniel fast really was never, for the most part, wasn't that hard because I tend to not eat a lot of things that the fast cuts out anyway. I don't, I don't really eat a lot of sweets. Um, I can't eat bread cause I don't have a gallbladder anymore. So, um, that was one of the things you can't eat. Um, so a lot of things you can't eat. I just did, you know, I wasn't eating anyway with the exception of meat, but I, I can, I can do without meat for a while. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the, but the main thing that I absolutely have been impacted by every year has been coffee. That is the one thing where I have to just say, okay, that's what I'm going to focus on is just going to be coffee. Um, even in, even when I was doing the Daniel fast, I was like, okay, I'm doing Daniel fast, but really what I'm fasting and really thinking about it and struggling with is, is the coffee. And usually I'd have to go on a, on a, at least about a week of, of tapering off coffee until I was completely off coffee. Um, I couldn't just quit cold turkey or else I'd have really bad, really bad, um, you know, headaches and migraines from the caffeine withdrawal. And it's funny because I don't even drink that much coffee. I drink like two half cups a day. Of course, I like really, really strong coffee. So, um, you know, the more espresso brew it is, the better. But, uh, so anyway, I, I can't just 
you know, yeah, I can quit cold turkey on it, but if I did, then I would be suffering terrible headaches and wouldn't be able to do my job very well. And so the fast can't, of course, impact my job and my ability to, uh, you know, pay my bills. So I usually would taper off after about a week and and then uh, I would be completely off. Like last year, I was able to taper off and then I just stayed off of coffee for a few months. And I actually uh, fasted for about three months on coffee. This year, however, has been a little different, and I've kind of approached the the fast a little differently in that I actually fasted one day of coffee um, because my taper off period when I started, okay, okay, the church is starting the fast, okay, I'm I'm in there with them, and I start tapering off, and you know, after a week, three weeks, I'm like I'm still not completely off coffee, but the day before the fast was the end to end, I actually had a full day without coffee. And then the next day the church was like, woohoo, our fast is over with. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done too. <laughs> so I didn't even try to extend it beyond that. But I would have to say that the fast this year has been much more impactful to me because I really did approach it from a sense of having a relationship with Christ rather than just, you know, okay, I, I, can I beat the system and actually, you know, not you know, eat, consume these things. And so instead, every time, even when I was failing at the fast and and going, Oh, I should be off coffee now, but I've got to have another, you know, even if it's just a quarter cup, I got to have it. But instead of just guilting myself over that, instead I was realizing, you know, Hey Lord, I'm, I'm, this is such a simple little thing and I can't, I can't even do this. I, I need you. This just proves to me how, flawed and imperfect I am and how how much I need to rely on you and and it really I have to say every time you know even when I was when I was cheating I guess you could say cheating on the fast you know every time it's like oh, I, I, I can't do it today I've got to have a cup of coffee I would have a so I would spend some time with the Lord when I, even when I was, okay, I'm drinking the coffee, I'm failing here on the fast, but I'm going to spend some time with the Lord and think about the Lord. Also thank him for this wonderful thing called coffee and talk to him about why I need him just for the, you know, even simple things like, you know, not drinking a cup of coffee. So, uh, it really kind of changed my perspective on the fasting this year. And, uh, I actually got more out of it by just focusing less on the fasting and more on Christ. Segment three, Winter Nam 2020, new base gear. (laughs) 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 I can't growl. As I record this, the uh, Winter NAM 2020 show is coming to a close. So I want to give you a quick overview of some of the things, the highlights that I kind of noticed at NAM. Not that I saw everything that was at NAM, not because I wasn't there, but from the at least from the news reports that I followed on it. These are kind of things that uh, that got my attention. There might be some other things that I missed, of course. But uh, anyway, here's uh, here's some of the, the cool things that I noticed. 
Uh, first of all, in bases, we've got uh, some things happening there. Uh, we've got Devon Base, which I mentioned last year for the NAMM show last year. They are back again this year. They've got some really cool bases. The uh, custom base builder, really quality stuff. If you want to check out some really, I mean, these are just some beautiful looking bases. If you go to their website, which is devonbases.com forward slash NAMM 2020, you'll just see some absolutely drool-worthy pictures there to, to take a look at. Uh, also, I'm interested to see what's going on with uh, Sadowski with, uh, with their partnership now with Warwick. Um, they've got some baselines that are going to be introduced or have been introduced now that uh, are being made elsewhere. Um, as you may know, Sadowski Custom Base Builder in New York and really premium uh, level base builder, uh, one of the top dogs out there on the custom jazz bases. Uh, started uh, recently have it, having a line that was being produced in Japan as a lower cost alternative. Now it looks like they've got some bases that are being built in China, which um, is, uh, we'll have to see how that works out. And then also some that are being built in Germany since they're partnered with Warwick now, or I guess they're under the same ownership, or I don't know, I, did say, I think Sadowski bought them or Warwick bought I don't know which is which, but anyway, they're they're basically the same company now. So I know Warwick is builds bases in Germany. So it looks like they're going to build some. Uh, I don't know if they're how many of the different lines that they're doing, but it looks like they're building some of them in uh, Germany now. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Also, a Fedora, uh, another top line base builder. Apparently, they've got a new Yin Yang base. But hey, if you're playing on a worship team, you probably don't want to be playing a Yin Yang base for hopefully obvious reasons another trend um well not really well yeah you know short scale bases are kind of a, a becoming a trend nowadays and i have to admit i i, I i'm starting to really like short scale bases and so there's a couple that i saw from the show that were being um getting some some uh, marketing time was was sandberg which they make some really quality uh, bases. They've got a short scale version now. Um, since it's a quality base builder, I'm sure that it's a pretty pricey base, but uh, I don't know what the price on that is yet. And then another base builder or guitar builder that also builds bases is Reverend. They've got a short scale base too. Looks like a P style base as far as the pickup goes with a three way switch for getting different voicings. And it looks like it runs for about 1300 which you might say, yeah, that's a lot of money for a short scale base. But uh, hey, quality is quality no matter what the size. So uh, you get what you pay for. And uh, it was a pretty cool looking little base. It's probably not my first choice of what uh, aesthetics, but I, I kind of I dig the, the Reverend look. It, they kind of have their own little style going. So I give them kudos for that. Yeah, I've... Uh, the other the Sunday or not, not the Sunday the the Wednesday church that I play at um, I alternate with another bass player who plays on Sundays there and he leaves his his Ibanez micro at the church and so actually just the other night uh, I at rehearsal I decided not to bring my bass I just because he lets me play his micro 
at rehearsal. So I just, I played that at rehearsal and this was the first time I played it through. I brought in a, in a zoom B one four, which is, you know, a little effects processor. It's got amp modeling and compression and everything else all built into it. So it's a nice little pedal. So instead of normally just playing that micro bass direct into the system, I was playing it through the zoom and it really sounded cool. Uh, I was really enjoying playing it. And even the, uh, the sound guy, said, Hey, you know, I always, I always have trouble getting that bass to sound good through the system, but it sounded really good tonight. And, and so, um, yeah, I had micro bass, you know, which is like what a $200 bass. So I guess you don't always have to pay a lot of money to get quality. Um, but anyway, it's $200 bass through a $79 effects pedal and it was a good sound. So anybody who wants to use that little setup, um, would have a good little, uh, rocking, rocking setup right there. So anyway, short scale bases, they're, they're cool. Check them out. Um, let's see what else was at NAM. Well, I know that, uh, Westminster effects are friends over there at Westminster. They were at NAM. I don't think they had anything new for bass players, although on their website, um, they are now advertising their Puritan overdrive pedal for bass as well. Um, that Puritan pedal has been out prior, um, but it's been exclusively marketed as a guitar pedal, but now it's being also marketed for bass. So, um, yeah, I might want to check that out. Um, I've been using their, their, uh, their bass preamp and compressor pedal, the Calvin compressor for, for about a uh, four or five, six months now and, and use it every Sunday and actually every Wednesday night at the, uh, the services that I play at. And it's been, been some good gear that I really enjoy. Uh, in the amp front, we've got Aguilar, which is, <laughs> they've got a, a purple, uh, ba- they got purple bass cabinets that they uh, kind of like a limited run. They call it Royal Purpy, Royal Purpy. <laughs> Did I just say Royal Purpy? Royal Purple, which I guess um, I normally am not a purple fan, um, but you know I guess purple would be good for if you're playing with Prince or if you're playing on a church platform because you know purple has been a traditional church color. So I guess you'd be okay having a purple cabinet on the platform for church if your church actually still allows you to have cabinets on the on the platform so there you go Aguilar is making purple cabinets but for a limited run so you better check them out quick if you're interested also a trend is little amps that seems to to be something that continues Um, people having interest in having small little light amps that are easy to carry around and sound good uh, Orange has got two releases. One is a, an amp and an actual pedal, just a little pedal you put on your pedal board, but it's actually an amp and a pedal. And then they've also got one that's a a small smaller head uh, than I guess their normal uh, bass heads. And so it's a light head. I think it's around six pounds or something like that. And then Ashdown has got what they call the Ant, which is a micro bass amp which uh, didn't necessarily look like a pedal, but uh, it's about the size of a pedal. Uh, they didn't advertise it as being a pedal or market it as being a pedal, but basically it looks about the size of a pedal or you could just place it on top of your your uh, your cabinet, your purple, I guess your purple Aguilar cabinet you could have with your little Ashdown ant on top. Um, so uh, that seems to be an ongoing trend with getting lighter and, and still good and powerful bass amps also mxr has got a new pedal out they've uh they've got a couple of preamp pedals that um you might be familiar with 
and this uh, new pedal, and uh, gosh darn it, I don't have the name of it here in front of me, but it, it's basically, you know, that one uh, uh, pedal that they have that's got the sweepable mids, and it's got a DI output. Um, it's basically like a smaller version of that, but it's built on the Echoplex preamp, uh, which has been a popular preamp to use for guitar players. But now this is like, I guess, the first one that first bass preamp that's actually built on on the Echoplex preamp and uh, it's just like it's a little bit bigger brother it, it has it has a sweepable mid which is really cool um, but it's in a really smaller little nano size pedals so it would be really easy to fit onto a, a tight pedal board that already has a lot of uh, a lot of pedals there or you just don't have much room left but you want to have a, a good little preamp that's got a sweepable mid then that that would definitely be a excellent choice it looks like so i haven't actually heard any demos on it but that's one that uh that definitely got my attention so anyway those are the things that interested me from nam that i happened to uh, see online if you saw some things that uh, were pretty cool that i didn't talk about go to our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash bass guitar worship blender and give me your thoughts on uh, what are some new gear that's been interesting to you. Segment four. Let's call it a condensed cue sheet, an alternative to a stack of chord charts. Since I played with a number of different worship teams and a number of different worship leaders, I've uh, kind of, I, uh, I, I think too much is what I do. I I can't help but uh, always analyze situations and think about, okay, how could this be better? What else could we do? Da, 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 da. So playing with different worship leaders, one of the things that, and I've been blessed with some really great worship leaders and, and still blessed with some great worship leaders that I play with. But uh, one of the things that I notice is that if there's a mistake that's going to happen, it's usually in, in two different areas. So one of the things I was thinking the other day was, uh, well, how could, how could those errors be minimized? So kind of what I came up with was this worship leader cheat sheet, so to speak. And so it applies mostly to worship leaders, obviously, because it's a worship leader cheat sheet, but it actually could have some implications for bass players. So before I actually tell you, okay, what are the implications? for bass players, I guess I have to just start off actually explaining what the heck this actually is and why I'm talking about this. So it's uh, uh, usually when mistakes happen on the worship team, a lot of times it's during the transition of a song or it's forgetting something within the song when you don't have maybe your your chord chart in front of you and you lose your place on the chord chart. And so because you don't have the song memorized, then you're having to find where you're at or going to the wrong place or whatever. And so those are, to me, it seems like, you know, the, it, this is for worship leaders, obviously, because the worship leader is usually the one leading the song. So they're the ones that are usually in charge of the transition from one song to the next, or for making sure everybody's on the same part within the song and where we're going next, especially if you're on a team where you're, you don't have a, you know, an actual, okay, we're going to do the song exactly like this and there you go. But you're on a worship team like mine where it's like, okay, we're going to do this verse again. We're going to do this course an extra few times. We're going to go to the bridge again, whatever. 
So the worship leader is in control of that. And so since I noticed that that's where a lot of the, the issues happen on the platform, I started thinking, well, I started thinking, well, okay, well, how can, how can we make this a little bit better? Because if we're just playing from chord charts, whether it's printed copies that you have out in front of you, which can of course blow around and get all out of whack, or whether it's on planning center with your iPad, um, but you've got to scroll from page to page and you can always lose your place there too, or maybe the uh, screen's a little too small for your eyes to see. Well then, how about creating a what I call a worship leader cheat sheet? And it's based on the fact that, um, well, number one, it, it kind of it, it is based on the fact of, well, if if you're the worship leaders, you probably have the songs memorized. And I know that's easy for me to say as the non-worship leader, but uh, if, especially if you've played the song a few times before, then usually you're going to want to have the song memorized. And that just comes from my background of playing classical music and learning to memorize songs so that you could you could perform it better because if you're just reading sight reading unless you're really good at sight reading then you're not going to do too good of doing a live performance of, of a classical piece without having it memorized even if you have the sheet music in front of you you you're pretty much got the song memorized with that in mind okay assuming that you're memorizing the song and the main thing then is, okay, so now if you got the song memorized or you have certain beginning parts of each part of the song memorized, then it's easy to transition to each part of the song. If you know the first section of the song or how the song starts off, it's easy to transition into the next song because a lot of times it'll be like, okay, this song's over. We're translating into transfer, trans, translating, we're <laughs> transitioning into the next song. And how does that next song go? Oh my gosh, my mind went blank. Ah, what do I do? Ah. So if you have a cheat sheet, instead of having a whole bunch of chord charts up on, on your, 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 uh, music stand or on your iPad, then you have, one sheet of paper that has basically everything you need to know. It's your cheat sheet. And this cheat sheet is, it's kind of like a, kind of like a modified song list, but with more details. Like when I'm using my planning center on the home church that I play in on Sunday, I rarely, I very rarely ever uh, have to look at chord charts. I usually just have use planning center just for the fact that I can just put the song list up there. That's pretty much all I, I use it for because I've been playing on that church for years and I pretty much know the songs. And if we do something new, I memorize it. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm used to memorizing stuff. So I'm just using planning center as, as a kind of a glorified set list. You could take that concept and say, okay, we got a set list. And instead of just saying, okay, here's this song, here's this song, here's this song, that cheat sheet can have, okay, here is, there's the name of the song. Here's the first chords of the song. Maybe, you know, it's, if it's three chords that start off the song, then put those three chords out. Here's the time signature of the song. That's always important because whenever you're trans, trans, I'm saying translating, why I keep saying translating. If you're transitioning to another song from say four, four to six, eight, that can be a problem. Ever had your, your worship leader count off, give you a four count when going into six, eight, that's always, you realize this, oh wait, I just gave a four count and we're going to six, eight. That's, and then everybody's trying to figure out the, the feel of the song. So having the time, time signature written out is important. Having the, the key of course, of the song written out is important. So you know what you're 
key you're playing, what time the signature. The tempo is always good too, so you know, okay, I roughly know how fast this song's going to go. It just needs to be something that quick at a glance you can see, and it gives you an idea of, okay, here's the next song we're doing. What's the first line of the lyrics? That's another great thing. You don't need to know the whole song. I mean, if you're having to read the lyrics off the chord chart to sing it, that's probably a mistake. If you're singing the song and leading it, you you really need to have those lyrics memorized. But if you're jumping from one song to the next, that's hard to all of a sudden you know, your brain can freeze up and then you're like, oh, what are we doing? But then if you can just get that first line off, then it's like, okay, everything then flows after that. So I think having that cheat sheet, having, okay, here's the first line of the song and you can read that and go, okay, I got, I got that. I got that phrase in my head. These are the chords. Okay. It's six, eight time. Da, 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 da. I'm good to go. And then you can also make this cheat sheet even a little bit more elaborate in that you can have maybe who's singing lead on the song or who's a featured instrumentalist on the song because it can very well be that you start playing, especially, again, as my home church, we don't do, when we do sound check, we don't do the whole set list or anything. We just, okay, we play maybe a verse and a chorus of one song and then that's it. Um, We don't have a long sound check. And it'll always be a case where, okay, maybe on the third song, then somebody else is singing lead on it and we start playing it then in the service and we haven't done it in the sound check. And now everybody's scrambling on their in-ears to figure out where is the actual singer that's singing lead in their in-ears because they're not on a separate channel. Maybe they're in with the group vocals and they're just not turned up that loud. And so, okay, where are they? And, and so everyone can't hear who the lead singer is. And as a result, it has it, everyone's kind of scrambling to, to follow along. And, and so that's not a good thing there. So that cheat sheet can also be used as a, a cue sheet for the sound team. So they can say, okay, um, you know, Billy Bob is, is singing uh, the lead on this particular song. They know to make sure that 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 uh, Billy Bob is, he's in the in years and he's going to be heard and he's up in the mix too. And so that he's heard through the house and the congregation can hear or, or, you know, Johnny is playing a a guitar solo in the song or has a specific lead at the beginning of the song that cues the rest of the band. So that cue sheet can, can, can have multiple uses and that it, it, and, and also since that information's on that list for the worship leader, then he can make sure, oh yeah, I got to make sure to tell the sound guy, even if he's not giving a copy to the sound guy, he can go, oh yeah, I need to tell the sound guy that, you know, Martha May is, is singing lead on that third song so that they know to put her in the mix. That is my idea for the cheat sheet. And you're thinking, well, okay, that's, that's great for a worship leader, but how does it, how does it apply to the bass player? Well, I think, again, it's important for us to know the songs that we're playing, especially if we've done it a few times before, have those songs memorized, know them so that you can come in, you can play them without having to read off of chord chart, which also helps you to to worship better because you're not thinking about, okay, where am I, where am I going in the song? So um, the Sunday uh, worship team I play on, which I've been playing for a while, I have all those songs memorized unless it's something last minute that's been thrown at us or something new. um, Then I might have a chord chart out. Um, My Wednesday team, I'm I'm still having to use chord charts because very commonly, um, I don't know until the day of service what we're actually playing. And they play a lot of different songs from my other church. So sometimes I'll have a chord chart um, on the day of service for a song I've never even heard before. And 
on Wednesdays, I'm at work during the day, so I can't actually rehearse for the song until I get the sound check at the, uh, the church. And then I'm like, okay, how does this song actually go? And luckily at that church, we run through all the songs in the sound check and, and then I can know what we're doing. But, um, so I don't, I'm not in position yet at that church where, um, also because I haven't been playing there long enough. So I haven't seen some of the same songs enough times to, to have them memorized yet. And, um, so anyway, I'm here. I am backtracking on my own advice. You got to memorize the songs. So over time I'll have these songs at my Wednesday church memorized as well, but that's very important because when you got those songs memorized, then you don't have to, you don't have that as a crutch. You just need something to remind you, okay, how's this song start? Boom. Okay. I got it. These are the lyrics. I can hear the melody now in my head. Okay. I know what the bass is doing. Also with memorization, you can just, even if you don't even remember the song, you can remember the song, if that makes any sense, because you're actually, you, you know that, okay, the song clicks off and I know, I'm, I know I've hit a, a note here and then I know I'm going to go to B. Okay. And, and just by going through that motion of knowing what you're supposed to do, even if you can't hear the song in your head, then you can actually just go through the motions and next thing you know, you're like, oh, okay, I'm playing the song and now I remember how I go. Okay, I can hear it now. Okay, great. And then now you're you're off and running. So sometimes memorizing the songs helps you when you don't remember the song. But having some type of cheat sheet like that might be a great idea, especially if you're you're getting to the point where you're getting more familiar with the songs. You don't need the full chart in front of you, but you're not ready to to, you know, just do away with it all completely but having it all on one condensed sheet of paper that way you're not having to worry about looking all around on different charts you just got enough information on that one cheat sheet to get you through the whole the whole set bada boom you're good to go did i just say bada boom although instead of a cheat sheet why don't we just call it a cue sheet i like that it sounds a lot better it doesn't sound like we're we're cheating at something we're Christians. We shouldn't be cheating. So we're, we're getting proper cues. So let's call it a cue sheet. And that is my idea for you. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Thank you so much for listening. So uh, how'd you do? Did you, uh, did you pass? Did you pass the quiz earlier on in the podcast? Well, if you didn't, make sure to go back and listen to those uh, older episodes again so that you can come back and pass that quiz. But uh, also don't forget, we've got a YouTube channel on YouTube. Just uh, do a search for Worship Blender. Got all kinds of uh, videos on there, training videos. We're getting some, uh, some actual gear demo uh, gear demos on there as well got a yeah it's a growing channel so um, and also don't forget to give us a five star review on iTunes you're probably saying well I don't want to because I don't want other people to know about this podcast and let it just be my little secret but I tell you we need those reviews because that helps iTunes to show it to more listeners and that helps the podcast to grow and to be more successful which means that it gives me a better opportunity to continue to do the podcast so so please that helps out us a lot by going there and giving us a five-star review and again thank you for listening god bless you